What's the goal of the FNF Coaches Podcast? We want you to learn something from the best coaches in high school football. We hope that you'll jot down some notes that will help you improve your program. Welcome back to the FNF Coaches Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Guttenplan. You're going to love listening to today's guest, Jacksonville State University coach, J.R. Sandlin. He's become a social media star this fall by dishing out recruiting tips for players along with the hashtag Recruiting 101. He worked as a recruiter at Alabama under Nick Saban for two national championship seasons in 2011 and 2012. He's also recruited for Tennessee, Notre Dame, and Central Florida. He talks about what players can be doing to help themselves get recruited during a dead period, what he wants to see on film, how coaches can advocate for players, and what he learned most from his experience with Coach Saban. I want to get right to that interview, but first, let's review the ways in which we you can take advantage of more content from FNF Coaches. If you want to receive a notification on your phone every time we produce our weekly podcast, subscribe to the FNF Coaches podcast on iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn, Simplecast, or Google Play. Don't be afraid to give it a five-star review. To check out new content each and every day, visit fnfcoaches.com. All of our stories are intended to inform high school football coaches so that they can do their jobs better. You can subscribe to FNF Coaches Magazine at the top of fnfcoaches.com. You'll receive the magazine at your home in 2021 for just $19.95 for five editions. In our next edition of FNF Coaches, we select a Coach of the Year winner from each of the 35 states that played high school football this fall. Without further ado, here's the interview with Coach Sandlin. Coach Sandlin, thanks so much for joining the FNF Coaches Podcast. Absolutely not. I appreciate you having me and, and getting to, to visit and, and talk a little bit about recruiting and what we can do to help recruits. Yeah, obviously, a lot of coaches are kind of um, – kind of in an uncertain time right now, I'd, I'd say, just because there's been a NCAA dead period for, you know, almost a year now, and it's extending through late May. How is that, just in general, how has that changed the way that players are being recruited this year? Uh, I've noticed, me personally, I've just noticed a slower amount of offers going out, uh, you know, just being in recruiting and working at in the Power 5 level and for, for years in the past, but you really see a slower amount of offers going out at this time because you've not been able to see these kids on campus. It's tough to have verifiable sizes if you don't have them verified at your place or if there's not camps and combines where they've been in the past uh, where you could always get these sizes. And, and it's just, you just think about it. It's tough to offer anything that you haven't seen in person. Now you can see it on film and feel good about it, uh, but it's just, you, you, come on. If we're at a restaurant, you're not buying a steak that you haven't seen. You know what I mean? Like, you're not buying that meal that, you, well, I haven't seen this. So it's really tough to fully go 100% vested in something that you have not seen in person. And, you know, you just want to see a lot of times the growth development that they might have. Um, you want to see how they could possibly progress because so much of recruiting is what? Projection and right. seeing how far they can go. Are they fully developed? Or do you think they have a frame two game? Do you think they have maxed out? Do you think they have potential? And I think that has a lot to do with the slower amount of offers going out. Uh, the little, uh, just the, obviously the dead period has a lot to do with that because at the end of the day, 
you just haven't seen any visuals and you, you want to be able to, to see them live. And some of the things that I've seen recruits have to do uh, is make workout films, make measurement films. Uh, so you can get that information and that footage to those coaches. And that's something I have recommended and suggested now more than ever where you send out highlight films. I mean, everyone's always done that, but now it's probably a little bit more important to, since coaches have not been able to see you, well, send out a workout film. And we're not talking about bench press, and shoulder press and power cleans and squats. and all that. I'm talking about position specific workout film and, and probably some of those combine athletic drills that you see at the football combines and some of the football camps that they, they do. Uh, and then also sh- show the measurements, show the hand measurements, show the height measurements, show the weight measurements, you know, in that footage. I mean, at least it gives you a chance and it shows some information uh, and, and people will believe footage. Right. Absolutely. And I think fewer offers are also going out because of the roster crunches, uh, you know, NCAA granted an extra year of eligibility. So, you know, there are coaches who, you know, have seniors who want to return or uh, juniors who might otherwise leave that are going to return. So I think it's, uh, you know, there are a lot of factors in why there are fewer offers going out. But I do want to talk to you about the film because uh, the transfer portal, too. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Portal has a big piece of that, too, because now they've made it where you can come and play right away. Yep. And most college programs are in situations that you have to win the now. When you take a high school kid, there's very few high school kids that can come in and play right away. You're talking about the game speed, development, physicality, those types of individuals that can come in and play right away. A lot of these high school kids are developmental. So now you've opened up the portal, and some of those kids, you're basically just given a little – where there's 19, almost 19,000 high schools in the country. Now you have that portal that's made up of, what, less than 900 schools in NCAA? At least that's a small little all-star free agency that at least you know those guys have already had college experience, had a practice or in a game that you can go select from. Absolutely, yeah. You know that they can step right in. It's not as much developmental speculation. But uh, you had mentioned that the films that, you know, there's the highlight film and then the workout film. And the highlight film, you know, I really enjoyed following you on Twitter uh, with the Recruiting 101 hashtag. And you have a lot of do's and don'ts. And, um, you know, the highlight film, it seems the biggest mistake that high school players make is they you know, they make it as if they're showing it to their girlfriend. Hey, like, look at these eight touchdown runs I have that are all 80 yards. Like, can you believe I had that? And and you don't want to see that if you're recruiting them, because like you said, you haven't seen them in person. You want to see variety. Uh, What, what do you want to see on these highlight films and how should they structure it? I think a lot of, like you mentioned, it's not a entertainment piece. I think that's one of the things your film is simply to show that you can play ball. That is it. You're making the case. Can I play ball? It's not for entertainment. You don't need to have the animations. You don't need a slow-mo. You don't need to speed up. You don't need to pause. You don't need to do a lot of those different things because you need to answer the question, can I play ball? More importantly, am I physical? Am I aggressive? Do I have the grit? Do I have the tenacity? Do I have the bravery to play? So you're looking for some of those intangibles right off the bat, um, which that make up all the athletic ability. But then you want to look to see, are you playing with competitiveness and effort? Um, and all those different aspects. And I think one of the things that a lot of kids don't realize is <clears throat> coaches are watching. I mean, I mentioned 19, almost 19,000 high schools. I mean, coaches in, in recruiting departments are watching thousands of film. And they normally start with their regional first. So they normally will start with that five-hour radius because they have to take care of their base. 
They will always have to take care of their base first. And then you got all those teams that recruit nationally as well. A lot of those programs will take care of that five-hour radius base first. And you can think about all the thousands of films they're watching. So if you're watching thousands of films, you're probably not spending 10 minutes on each film. Because you, I don't think a lot of recruits know when you get a new film, you start watching it, and then there has to be a report written on each film. So you're looking about maybe 10, 15 minutes on each film that you're doing because you're going to watch it. You're going to make your notes. You're going to submit your report. Uh, and that's going to start the recruiting process for that individual. Is it going to be, is he going to be not good enough? Is he going to just be a, just a guy? Or is he going to be someone that you've passed through to the next coach and the next evaluation? Because all those coaches are having to constantly evaluate players because we're all looking for the best player. And I think let's just take a running back, for example, because I use that one as an example all the time. As a running back, you don't want to see speed sweep right, speed sweep left, speed sweep right, speed sweep left. Your first four clips, touchdown, 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 touchdown. That's great. It shows productivity, but it doesn't show any type of block. It didn't show any type of run in space. It didn't show you running over someone. It didn't show pass protection. It didn't show um, how you could run in between the tackles, which is important. So I think they need to realize, let's just use running back, for example. If I'm looking at some of the specific skills for the running back position, I'm looking at his initial quickness, his balance and body control, his instincts and vision, his burst and acceleration, his play speed, his ability to break tackles and how powerful he is, his elusiveness, his hands, his blocking, his toughness. You know, those are all the things we're looking at that running back position um, in detail. So you got to ask the question, am I showing that up front? If a coach is only spending six to 12 clips on you to get a good feel because naturally you'll see if they're physical, they're aggressive, they play with effort. And remember the highlight is the teaser film. It's just the trailer to what the movie mm-hmm. and that's game film. And that's going to always be the game film because you're hoping what happens is you watch the highlight film and you get excited about Johnny and you see what he's doing and you want to see that same consistent play in the game film. Now, if it's not, then you know you have something else. But I think going back to the going back to the questions, it's important to show clearly your best clips first, but it's showing the variety of what he can do. And going back to that running back position. You know, I know I posted something not too long ago about, hey, have these clips first as a running back. Make sure you show a long run speed separation. Show a between the tackle run. Show a catch. Show a make you miss the space and in, in space uh, run. Um, a pass protection block and some type of physical run. Well what are you doing for the evaluator? You're checking off things that he can do, um, and that's essential for uh, that's essential for the recruitment and evaluation. And if I only saw in the first four clips speed, 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 right speed, left speed, like I mentioned, well, you, there's so many question marks. And I think one of the things recruits have to do a great job of doing is eliminating the question marks for your position and make sure you show that with film evidence early quick and often at the very beginning i wonder if there's anything that gets lost though in the you know with coaches not being able to go and watch games in person not having those kids on your campuses for your camps and uh things in the summer is there a way that you while evaluating film can look at a guy and say i can tell that he has good character i can tell he's a good teammate like some of those uh things that maybe aren't as obvious in terms of physical attributes so I think game film does that. A game film, you can see if a kid is playing consistently with high effort, a high motor, having always pursuit to the ball, you can kind of tell that's who he is. Mm-hmm. It's what he's doing is important to him. If you see him picking up someone on the game film, 
you can see he does have some natural teammate um, and, and character in him because he's thinking about another human being. So you have to pick up on some of the behavior traits when watching game film. I don't think you really can do it on a highlight, but you definitely can do it on a game film where you see him celebrating with his team on a touchdown. You can see maybe um, the quarterback patting the, patting the receiver on the head um, and giving him a thumbs up or something, you know, a bad catch or a missed ball or something like that. So you can pick up on some of those details that you normally would see when you go see the kid in person at a game. The things that you miss on is now just not being able to go out and just getting to ask a lot of the questions and seeing a lot of the people that don't have a dog in the fight. For example, asking the water boy or the water girl, asking the athletic trainer. Um, because, I mean, we, we're not always previewed to those phone numbers when you're going to, to talk to the high school coaches, but seeing a lot of those individuals, uh, the AD coming up to talk to you, about, oh, man, the principal on the sideline. A lot of the individuals that necessarily might not have a dog in the fight uh, about him as a player, but more importantly about him as the individual. And I think that's a little of a few things that you miss. And you have to spend time doing a lot more emails now and trying to use some of that time to investigate who the person is. Because, look, I don't think people realize, I mean, no coach ever recruits a kid not that you're not planning on playing at the next level that you're expecting him to fail out, not graduate, be a transfer, or be a cancer in the program. But we all know those things happen when people come to the next level. So you have to do a great job of eliminating and discovering and investigating so much about the who, the individual, before even bringing them into the team. Because what do you have to do? I mean, this is a, you're talking about a community, you're talking about a team, and and I'm sure you have a family. What's the very first thing that you have to do for your family? You have to protect your family. It's no different for us. We have to do what? Protect the community, protect the team, protect our teammates. And that's why you have to do so much investigation or work on the front end. Um, that's, I think you kind of you, you miss a little bit not being able to go out and see these people live and, and getting to visit with other individuals. Because, again, it goes back to that body language that I mentioned. When I ask those questions to you know, the water boy or the water girl or the principal or whoever, you can see their body language and you can see their excitement in their face. You can see a lot of tendencies that you're like, man, this person really believes in this person. And you get excited about the person you have discovered on film and then also discovering in who they are. Right. Yeah. And I wonder, you know, when you rely so much on film like coaches are doing now for recruiting because they're not able to get out uh, to campuses and meet the players, I wonder, like you were you were mentioning with the workout film, you know, how, how do you verify it? You want verifiable things. Um, and, you know, you do see occasionally on social media, these doctored videos pop up and there's misinformation and things like that. How, what are players supposed to be doing to make sure this is verifiable? You know, this isn't a funny video. I'm not going to offer you a scholarship. You're going to throw up, uh, show up to campus. And instead of running a four, four, like you said, you're running a five, two, like how do you make your workout video verifiable? Well, I think we're talking about verifiable measurements. I think that's been a little bit easier because you can get behind, you can, you can show a measure measuring tape on a brick wall. We all know how big those brick walls or those cylinder walls are. You could use a flagpole. You could use a door frame. You can use a lot of different things that we naturally know as humans, how big those, that door frame is. We can count the bricks we have an idea how big a brick is or those cylinder cylinder bricks that they have a lot of times in high schools, but make sure you're showing feet all the way to, to head. Mm-hmm. I think that's important. And then you can also, I think I've seen some of the videos where a coach is, is filming uh, Johnny stepping on the scale 
and then looking at the scale. Hey, now, do we know it's completely verifiable? We're using the best resources we can. And I think that's the key, using the resources that you have available to show the verification. Uh, like I said, a lot of times those verifications came from camps and combines that Rivals 24-7, all those different organizations put on because they can send that uh, information out. Uh, and with the, with the limited of camps, it's tough to get those. But uh, again, if I'm showing hand measurement and wingspan, you can do that with a tape measure. And you can show that with and verify it with the uh, the camera and stuff like that. I don't think those parts are difficult and tough. I do think going back to, like you mentioned, the 40, yeah, that's probably a little bit more tougher. But again, if people focus so much on the 40, I think it would be more focused on the position-specific drills and, and seeing a kid use his body in space more so. Maybe it's a cone drill. Uh, maybe it's uh, a shuttle drill. Maybe it's some some of those type of drills. But you know, going back to the, to the running back, if we're looking at a positional workout for a running back, maybe we're seeing the lateral shuffle where he's down the line shuffling and then run down the line. Maybe we see a wave drill. Maybe we see a back pedal and flip the hips drill. Maybe we see a 45 uh, degree drill with the cones. Uh, maybe we see just the footwork of him running inside zone, left and right. Maybe we see some, some ball drills. Um, maybe we see a reactionary receiver drill. Um, but that's why I'm always using – take the – Anyone can go Google the NFL football combine and go look at all these positions. They can go look at the running back, the O-line, the receiver, quarterback, tight ends, D-line, linebackers, DBs, and, and you know corners. Um, they can go look at all this film that they have on the NFL combine now and see the actual workouts that they did. And that's the type of workout film that you're – that's the type of workouts you're doing that are more so positional too. Uh, but you also want to make sure you're doing some of the positional workouts, but you also want to show some athletic – ability uh, where you see the smoothness and the fluidness and how quick his quickness and his suddenness and elusiveness is in those athletic drills. I mean, we see that a lot of times just in the back pedal and flip your hips and burst forward. We, we can see the, 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 how fluid an individual is just in that drill. And I think those are some of the, those are some of the drills that you can do from a workout film showing you as an athlete, because at the end of the day, you're just trying to prove what, how I use my body in space and how fluid that is, how smooth that is, how elusive it is, how sudden it is, how quick, how's the burst, how's the acceleration, and all those intangibles, um, and excuse me, skill sets that we're looking at to evaluate. Yeah, and uh, one thing I'll give, uh, you know, I give high school credit, uh, coaches credit for a lot of things, but one of the things that they've been doing well, I feel like this year, is they've been kind of running their own combines and camps and getting that footage to um, college recruiters and making sure that they're giving these high school players who either, you know, might not be having opportunities to play yet, like in California, or they're having uh, reduced seasons and less opportunities to, um, you know, put their, put their tape down. Um, what more do you think? I, you hear all the time, you know, you want the high school coaches to be honest with the recruiters. Don't tell me you have 12 D1 prospects if you have one uh, or we're not going to trust you the next year. What more can high school coaches be doing right now to help their players get recruited? I think the only thing that they can do more, you, you know, we all want to be honest. I mean, you want them some honest from the coaches, the high school coaches, but you want the same thing from college coaches. I mean, you don't want, like, let's just talk about your, if you have a kid in high school, you don't want to offer, you don't want the college coach to offer a kid if it's not committable. I mean, be honest. I mean, I mean, that's that's not a real offer. So I think you want honesty around the board. Uh, but to really for that high school coach to help uh, the uh, the colleges, I think it's more about just providing information. I mean, come on, 
you, you don't, I don't think you have to tell the, the college coach what division you think he is. I, I really don't. I think you just have to provide the information of the prospects that you have because whose job is it to determine if they can play at your school or not? You know, I've always told, uh, you know, you don't have to tell me if you think he's a D1, D2. It doesn't matter. Let the college coaches determine that because I've seen sometimes where college coaches will take someone that I think that couldn't play, you know, maybe a D2, but they take them at a D1. Well, that's based off the preference of the evaluator. And I'm always telling them, promote everybody, promote them all, promote them to all to every division and let the college's coaches decide what that is, because that's the college coach's job to determine if that individual can play, participate on your program. Um, so I think that's just promoting all the guys that you have. Now, I get it. So you, you think about some of the kids that have size and stuff like that. But I think I think at the end of the day. A lot of college, excuse me, a lot of high school coaches have a good idea because they've seen a lot of the kids come through their program. Um, but at the same time, I think one of the things that I've noticed with high school coaches and high school athletes are if you want to get a good feel for if that kid can play at that school, make sure you take a look at the players that school took the year previous because that was technically the standard that they signed. For example, let's just use if, if we took a, a linebacker last year and we signed one, make sure you take the time to look at who they signed last year, not necessarily to compare your player to him, but to use it as a standard to say that's what they were looking for that year because uh, that kind of gives you at least an idea of what that program might be looking for. It's no different when colleges. You know, let's just say we have a receiver here. Well, and when I ask him, do you know the top five receivers – drafted last year and you say no well you better have an idea because guess what they were the top five drafted that's what the nfl said was the standard now i'm not saying ever compare yourself to them i'm not saying that but i'm saying look at the standard of what they took so you have an idea how to advance your game or are you even in that game i don't i hope that makes sense but i think that's the clearest way that you can kind of kind of do it yeah, no, that's a way to round out your game and work on things that, you know, you may not be your strengths, but people obviously value as strengths for the position. Uh, you had mentioned um, committable offers and knowing if it's a committable offer. And I think uh, there are high school coaches who complain that, you know, they feel like their guys are getting uh, taken advantage of because they'll get an offer one minute and it'll get retracted. And I, th- I saw on your Twitter, you know, the likelihood of a college coach staying in a position for five or six years is like 18%. So even these yeah, middle schools, like yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's like even these middle school offers, like they're, they're not real They're It's likely not going to work out. What questions should players be asking once they receive an offer? I think once they, I think that's a great question. Um, you know, first off the real offers come, your senior year when they actually send you that letter saying you've been offered. And if the, if kids actually reported that, I don't know if kids would have that many offers, you know, <laughs> like, I mean, they, they've committed and Hey, here's the real offer. But, but I think a couple of questions to, to mention, what should they be asking after they receive an offer? You know, number one, how many have you offered? How many have you offered to this position? How many are you going to offer? I mean, because right away, that kind of tells you where you are on the board, too, right? Um, let's just, I don't know, use a hypothetical O-lineman. Uh, you, know, you know, we've offered 20 O-linemen. I'm the 21st? I ain't that high on the board then. Or maybe I just got discovered, you know. Well, how many are you taking? Three. Well, how many do you have committed? 
two. Oh, there's one left. You see, you got to do some investigating too when you get that offer. So how many are you taking? How many have you offered? How many have committed? Because you don't always know how many are committed. Um, are you looking for any older guys? Are you looking for a transfer? Are you looking for a JUCO? I mean, there's lots of questions. How soon are you looking for commitments? I mean, there's a lot of investigating questions that should go along with the prospect. He couldn't. Just because you receive something, you better start asking some of those questions that follow up, follow up, follow through, follow through to find out where you are with that offer, too. I mean, some of these programs offer differently. Uh, some programs offer after they've done all the research on you, where they've done the transcript, they got the character background and everything, and they're giving you a green, green uh, light to, to commit when you're ready to commit. Um, some uh, other programs offer just to get in the game. Some offers are to get you to camp, so, but a lot of times, a lot of offers are to get in the game, you know, where oh, this team's offered. Well, if we want to have a chance, we're going to have to offer two. Yeah. And now, then they just see how it all plays out. I, uh, and that, that makes me think you, uh, so the offer, the other thing that I saw um, that you had posted on Twitter, I think is like somewhere along in the process, it might be like the seventh or eighth step. You're looking, you see the film, you're, you're vouching for the kid uh, with the coaches and people around him. You get you request the transcript, and I know um, you know you have to be a qualifier, obviously, to uh, come onto campus and play right away. How how do you view the transcript? I know when you're viewing film, you're looking. You know, does he have potential? Could he grow into his body a little bit more? Could he add strength? What about a transcript? If the guy has a you know two two, would you view that as okay? Well, maybe we can coach him up, and uh, he has potential, or would you just outright say you know he can't play here? No, I, I believe most people don't know what they don't know. And I do not know when that kid was told about the core. I mean, every school, every kid, every information is different. So I don't know when that kid was ever told if he's going to be a qualifier, what's the plan for qualifying, what's cores, what's not cores. We don't know that. So mm -hmm. I give the kid the benefit of the doubt that he doesn't know what he doesn't know. And it's on my job to make sure I educate and, and and help out but a lot of times i've noticed where kids just don't know especially i've seen how many transcripts have i seen where a ninth and tenth grade year was killer for these kids man i just didn't know well <laughs> you need to know <laughs> if you want to be a student athlete you know a lot of times these kids have a plan to go to college and want to be a college athlete but they're not asking the right questions how do i do that what's the plan and if you don't have a plan starting your ninth grade year then how can you ever accomplish your goal it's going to be real difficult, right? A plan without a direction, I mean, it's going to be, I don't know how the doer can even do. So I think having that plan and understanding that, but no, I think going back to the question, one of the things I enjoy doing is where you might get a transcript and you see maybe English nine was, I don't know, let's just say a 70. And then you see his English 11 is now an 80. Well, I love emailing both teachers. Because I'll ask the same questions. Where did he sit in the classroom? How does he learn? Did he come to prepared for classes? Was he a class clown? Would you want him again in your classroom? What type of learner is he? All those different questions. Because there's no difference when he's going to come in whose classroom? The coach's classroom. Because how he learns is how he learns. And how he acts in that classroom is how he acts in that classroom. And understanding and discovering a lot of those intangibles makes a lot more sense than, oh, he's just a bad student. No, no, no. you got to figure out a lot of and, and give some of these kids the benefit of the doubt because they might just not know. 
Um, but on the top of the, on the, on the more important side, I want to know how he's going to be in that classroom because he is going to be what a student athlete at the university, a student first, because how he's acting in that high school classroom is how he's going to act in that professor's classroom. More importantly, it's probably going to how he's going to act and how he goes about his business of learning in your classroom as the coach. So I think figuring out a lot of that character, a lot of that intangible, because we're really discovering what behavior and behavior, behavior patterns and behavior patterns come from an attitude. And we're really trying to discover because it is a business decision. This is a business decision for the kid where he chooses to go, but it's also a business decision for the schools on who they're offering. That's interesting. Getting all that information is crucial to who you are and really making I mean, come on. Like I mentioned before, you're not expecting these kids to fail. When you're offering someone and they come to your school, you're not expecting them to be a cancer. You're not expecting them to, to fail out of school. You're not expecting them to graduate. You're not expecting them to, to, to not play. And you're not expecting them to embarrass the university. Why would you take a kid if you're expecting them to do any of those things? So why, once you see that someone can play, I think the real fight is, is discovering who they are in all those areas from behavior and attitude. Because to avoid everything I just said with those five things, you need to do a great job researching and asking questions on who they are. Because you're not going to know what you don't ask. And that goes for the coaches, and that also goes for the players. Both hands. That's so smart of you to, uh, you know, to try to get to the reason of why. You know, why did you have a 70 freshman year and then turn it into an 80 or junior year? Was it because... All of a sudden, you're sitting at the front of the classroom. That's a great. That's a great point. You know, people learn how to do well at everything, and you know, academics is part of that. What about if you're if you look at a guy and he looks stiff on film? You know, it's a lineman, and he just can't get down low, can't bend the hips, and uh, or bend the, bend at the knees. And you're and you're saying, you know, I don't know about this. Is there anything a recruit or his coach would say to you if the film doesn't look great? that would give you optimism that like, Hey, he's working with a personal trainer or he's trying to become more athletic by doing this. Is there anything that, uh, you know, you could say to support the fact that this film will improve when I get back out on the field? Sure. I think one of the things you got to ask is if I'm the coach or the recruit, so many times we give an evaluation and a lot of times naturally think about it, just human nature. If I give you an evaluation of anything, naturally, a lot of the first response is to defend it. Am I wrong? A lot of times humans want to defend, defend, defend right away, but they forget to ask, well, what could change your mind? What could he do different? What do you want to see? And they don't ask those questions. A lot of it goes right to defense and they don't ask, what could he do different? What do you want to see? How could we change your mind? And if you don't ask those questions, you don't know. And going to the point um, where you see, I don't know, maybe like you mentioned, this alignment. Well, then, you know, ask the question, well, how much stretching is he doing? Not enough. Has he ever been in yoga? Never. You know, like <laughs> there's some practicals here. How much does he jump and rope? He doesn't jump rope. <laughs> you know, how, how much time does he spend with quick ladders and, and footwork and, and change the direction drills and to really improve those areas that we're seeing that are stiff? He hasn't done any of that. Well, how about we see what three months looks like after he does that? Maybe he has now enhanced. He can only upgrade by adding it to his workout regimen. Maybe just a little bit, but at least now there's a plan. I think if you don't write it off right away and, and be defensive, ask what's the plan because coaches can see that and they can give you some insight that you might not have had in the past because we all want our kids offered. I get it. I mean, I was in high school shoes before where you're trying to promote kids, but I had to also know that 
not every school is going to want that kid. I get that as well. But I had to also ask the questions. What could he do different? What could he do better? What could he improve on? What do you want to see? Because, again, you're the evaluator. You're the coach that's going to make the offer. What is it that's going to make you want to pull the trigger on Johnny? Maybe he's just not physical enough. Maybe he's just not not playing with the energy and effort and motor. I'll tell you this. There's a kid this past year that um, picked up multiple offers. He was a tight end. I took uh, – uh, he hit me up, and he asked me, what could I do different on my film? And I watched his game film because I was like, okay, I'll take the time to help you out. You can watch his game film. I told him he needs to do these couple of things. I said, because you're not doing it on film. You're not playing through the whistle. You're not striking with your, your helmet and hands and the three points of contact. You're not doing uh, this out in space blocks. A lot of times kids just need to know. And that sometimes the message needs to come from a different messenger. A lot of times it's the same message, but I've, it's amazing how often we hear the same message from a different messenger and it resonates differently for that individual. Mm-hmm. And it changed his game completely. And he's a kid now that has two or three division one offers. And you're like, wow, look, and now he's, you know, he's excited. And he's like, thank you so much for helping us. And I'm like, that's all great. Everything, but it's all about paying it forward and helping the kids. And, and there's an individual that got some new information and it changed his game. And guess what? If you're not, if you don't like the results that you're currently getting, you need to look at something that you might need to change. And that's it. Yeah. Now because you, when you change it, it changes the response of the individuals watching. Absolutely. Yeah. That's great that you were able to do that for him. And, you know, he got a division, he's got an opportunity to play division one football. That's great. Uh, now I wanted to ask about you. We hear a lot from high school coaches who want their guys to play multiple sports, be three sport athletes, and they want them competing year round. And I wanted to ask you, I played a college sport. And my college coach used to get excited about three sport athletes because he would, you know, he was like, Hey, right now they're only training for our sport, you know, five or six months a year when they get here they're the ceiling is, you know, higher because they're not, they haven't fully committed. What, how do you look, how do you view three sport athletes when you're recruiting? I love multiple sports athletes. I just do because it shows so many, let's just take a line, for example, any type of line. Um, that wrestles and maybe plays basketball. Oh my goodness. Let's just think about the intangibles it adds for the wrestler. It tells me, you know, discipline with body. It knows you have a better core. You have stamina. You have a uh, change of direction. You have balance and body control. You see what I mean? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Think about all the intangibles it adds naturally to the offensive defensive line. Maybe he plays basketball. Okay. Again, stamina quickness maybe you have some jumping ability but i love hearing the wrestler a lot of times because i'm like oh my goodness you know how to get down to 275 because i think that's heavyweight right in high school you have to be down to 275 to be in the heavyweight can't be above it yep so now you know that you do no body discipline you know probably food prep you probably know a disciplined schedule you know how to rest you know how to recover there's a lot of intangibles so many to name that go with adding value to that prospect and that recruit because i love asking this question how much meat does he bring to the table and i know that's kind of a funny question but how much meat does he bring to the table but it's it's ultimately saying how much value do you bring to this table i love finding individuals that you can say this to and he does this and 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 see what you don't want to find is but buddy's this buddy doesn't do this but I believe it's the battle between ands, and it sounds terrible, but buts. Uh, 
to the value that you're bringing to the organization, the team, the program, to who you are. And the more that you can do, you, know, you hear it all the time with uh, if he's a track athlete, think about all the additional track speed, quickness, footwork that they're getting, balance and uh, stretching that they naturally wouldn't get get at uh, at football. Um, this is this just not naturally happening because I mean you don't you train a lot of these guys differently. So I think there's a lot of intangibles that people should think about when they're playing multiple sports because I do believe it helps the player because it adds, like I just mentioned, how many intangibles just for the offensive line and defensive lineman or any person that wants to wrestle. So many. And that adds to the value of him as an athlete, but also probably adds to him as the value of the person because of all the character that goes into to discipline and preparation and focus and drive and vision and schedule and a lot of other areas. I mean, I'll enjoy finding kids that have something else that they bring. Like I found a kid years ago that uh, he played football. He did, he did rodeo. I was like, he did rodeo. That's pretty wild. Did rodeo, um, played, played, uh, played basketball as well. I'm like, so there's so many different athletic intangibles because right away, when you told me you did rodeo and you're riding horses, okay, you're fearless. You know, I'm not doing that. You're you're fearless. You have you have to have some type of strong balance. You have to have a good core. You have to have some type of stability to be doing all these things. So I think it adds value to the individual. And anything that's going to add value to you, your game, and who you are, how can you tell someone not to do it? Right. Yeah. I, I actually, I live up here, here in New England and it's funny, the Patriots, uh, historically, I think they had Stephen Neal. He was a college wrestler with really limited football experience when he got drafted and he was a great lineman for them. They, uh, Nate Ebner was like a rugby player who, uh, was a great special teams player for him. I think, you know, coach Belichick probably has the same philosophy in terms of finding guys that add things to the table yeah. rather than take away. You, mean, you hear a lot of kids play lacrosse now and I'm like, heck yeah, let's go <laughs> lacrosse, rugby, any of these things that are showing physical aggression. Uh, a lot of those things, you know, finding a player. How about this Dalvin Tomlinson? Okay. I remember when I was in Alabama, Dalvin Tomlinson played soccer too. Okay, he was an all-state wrestler. He pinned the guy within like some crazy 12 or 8 seconds to win the state championship. He was also the goalie. He's a goalie for the soccer team. Mm-hmm. This is a defensive lineman. Like, come on. That is awesome. <laughs> you're a wrestler and you're a goalie. Look, you're not putting anyone in the goalie that doesn't have lateral ability, doesn't have quickness, that doesn't have change in direction. Come on, right? I don't know how to coach soccer, but I know you can't put those intangibles. You can't put someone that doesn't have those intangibles in the goalie. Right. Uh, I saw the other day you congratulated uh, a player. I guess you saw someone that started a LinkedIn profile uh, to kind of market themselves as a student athlete, which I hadn't thought about that. But when I saw it, I was like, yeah, that is a smart idea. It's a different way to go about, uh, you know, promoting yourself and marketing yourself as an athlete because not many people are on LinkedIn at the high school level, at least. Uh, What do you what are some of the do's and don'ts for social media? What do you want to see on there? What don't you want to see? Uh, you definitely want to see what you're following, what you're liking, what you're retweeting, because you're, you're, you hit the like button. You hit the retweet button. That's a direct reflection of who you are because you did it. I mean, come on. You're hitting those things. So I think a lot of that seeing what you're tweeting about, what you're posting about, uh, I think a lot of it you can see, again, goes back to behavior. Are you posting more about you, 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 you? Are you posting more about more about your team and your team success? Are you posting more about your teammates? I think you can see a lot about who they are through their behavior on social media just based off what you're posting. We're all humans. 
you can figure out pretty quickly what type of uh, what type of personality type some of these individuals are by just the behavior you're displacing over and over and over. Um, so I think you got to be mindful because there's also organizations out there that are hired by a lot of teams, a lot of businesses uh, to do what? Investigate you based off your social media everywhere. Think about the pictures that you're posting. Think about the posts that you're posting. Think about your content that you're sending. Think about the likes. Think about the retweets. You get to do, let me say it this way, every day you're selling something and you, with the free will that you have with inside you, are choosing what you're selling. So whatever your story wants to be, you got to think. A lot of times I've always said you got the pen to your to your chapter and your stories. Well, now you got the keyboard to what people are going to see. And what they perceive is a lot of times reality. And and it's a lot tougher, as we know in this in this day and the climate and society, uh, it's a lot tougher to come back on a post or come back off of something that was a negative or wasn't seen in the right right light or was a poor post. So just be mindful of that now because this now, you got to remember coaches are looking for people to recruit, but more importantly to put on their team, and they want to make sure they're finding the right kind of guys that are representing the cores and the values and the principles and the priorities and the promises the program has there. And they were looking for people that will match those, that will believe in the in leaving the Gamecock or leaving the team or leaving your last name better than you found it. They're looking for people that are going to serve and honor and respect others, but more importantly, themselves. They're looking for people that are going to protect the program, as I mentioned earlier. And how do you protect the program if you don't know how to protect yourself? It's going to be really difficult. So I think they got to be extremely mindful in all of those areas because every day you're selling something. And you get to choose by that keyboard what you're going to sell. And one of the one of the opportunities that you had as a young coach, and uh, that I'm sure a, a ton of coaches would have loved to have the opportunity, is to work for Coach Saban at Alabama. And you can hear just in your voice what he saw in you. You know the passion and the eye for talent, and you know the the opportunities to help other people in the in the profession. What were some of the takeaways that you took from your experience uh, coaching under Nick Saban? I think it's all about the players. You're only going to be as good as the people you have in place. It's always going to be about your personnel. And you got to find the personnel that's going to do exactly what I mentioned. Are they going to have the same principles, the priorities, the promises? Are they going to be able to protect the program as well? We're all wanting to protect the program, but that's not the first thought that goes through your mind when you join a team, a family, an organization, an association. What are you doing? I mean, how I think that's one of the first thoughts I always have. How are we protecting us each and every day? Um, because you have to bring in the right type of individuals that are going to believe the same, that are going to have the same. One of the questions I love a lot of times is, what is a teammate? There's no right or wrong answer here, but I love hearing the person answer, what is a teammate? Because I get to hear their philosophy, their belief, what they be- will stand for. And I then get to hold them accountable to whose words, their words, not my words. I didn't give them a rule. I made it their principle. And is there anything wrong holding people accountable to what they say, that what they believe a teammate is? Nothing. But we're asking you to be a teammate. And more importantly, I think you got to also find those programs. And and, and just learning this is if that program and the people in the program don't believe that they are your teammates as the players, you probably have a problem because 
here at JSU, it's all about what? The Gamecock. Leave the Gamecock better than you found it. At the end of the day, the game is going to have Gamecock and the score underneath the word Gamecock. And I'm a teammate. And yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm a coach, but I'm also a teammate to my players. I have to be because we're all working together for the same common goal to see the Gamecock have what? Success as we do everything we can to leave it better than we found it because each year is a new chapter. And we have to start over because guess what we're dealing with? New personalities, new individuals, new thoughts, all that kind of stuff. And you have to start. The, let me say this. Like, the structure is the same, but the people that you're doing with it is constantly always changing. And you have to find what makes all those people tick because we all as humans want to do what? We want to be seen. We want to be heard. We want to know that we matter and that we have a place. Well, you want to know all that's available at the place that you're doing it, that you're being seen that you're being heard, that you know that you matter, people care for you, they love you, and that you have the place to do it at. Because that's the security that we're looking for as we're pursuing those goals to help whatever that organization, you know, here's the game time, but whatever that organization, that team, that last name, to leave it better than you found it. Absolutely. And coach, I think that's a great place to leave it. I really appreciate it. I know uh, it's been great hearing your your take on recruiting and just culture building and everything like that. So I'm glad that we got a chance to connect. I know this is a game week, so I will let you get going. But yes, sir. thank you so much for taking the time. No, my pleasure. I appreciate you reaching out and, and having me on here and being able to to share a little bit uh, to, to others because that's what it's about, you know, just serving well and helping as many people as we can because it's all about paying it forward and, and hopefully this will help some recruits help some coaches and then they can pay it forward to other people and, and just continue that uh, that kindness and that compassion and that generosity to, to other people because that's ultimately the, the ultimate legacy to help others thanks to coach sandlin for joining the podcast and sharing all of that knowledge about recruiting follow him on twitter at jr underscore sandlin Don't forget to give the pod a five-star review on your preferred platform. The FNF Coaches Podcast is an AE Engine production.
Eric Estep here. This episode is brought to you by Forney Industries. Get it done with green. Forney offers a full line of welding and plasma cutting machines, metalworking accessories, and more. For do-it-yourselfers all the way to professional metalworkers, Forney has everything you need for your next project. Shop Forney's top-of-the-line products at forneyind.com. That's Forney, F-O-R-N-E-Y, ind, I-N-D.com, or at an authorized Forney dealer near you.